The people are of all different shapes and sizes, all different ages. You've got 17, 16, 17 year old kids doing it with their mum and dad. Distance Hiker Podcast. Hey hikers and welcome to another episode of the Distance Hiker Podcast. Now, if you have listened to previous episodes, you may have noticed that I've not published one in a while. That's not come without a great deal of guilt and honestly I poured my heart and soul into the podcast and newsletter throughout the first half of 2021 and I'm immensely proud of myself for creating it and grateful of course to everybody who gave me the time of day to actually listen to the show. Now the real reason I stopped sharing episodes was burnout, hard horrible burnout which left me on my knees. I'm a personality type that struggles to stop and keep still and increasingly adds more and more to my schedule until eventually I grind to a halt usually in a total mess. I like being busy, but I don't know when I'm too busy until it's too late, and I'm sure many of you can relate to this. My takeaway here is this. If you feel like you don't do enough, by doing something you probably do enough. Don't sacrifice sleep, health and eating well for the sake of following your dreams. It's far better to follow your dreams slowly than not follow them at all because you're unwell. Anyway, excuse me, that little snippet of wisdom out the way, let's move on to today's episode. So, in today's show, I had the pleasure of talking to Rebecca the Rambler. When I first started looking for podcast guests, I realised that my first six episodes were done with guys. Not that that's a bad thing, but I didn't want my podcast to be about guys talking to guys about hiking. So, I looked for some female guests to talk to. I want to balance, a bit like our Facebook community. So I decided to post on the group asking for questions, sorry, asking for suggestions and Rebecca replied and what a guest she was. I had a lovely time talking with Rebecca and honestly I was grinning grinning like a Cheshire cat after our talk. Why? Well because she was so interesting. Not only is Rebecca a keen long distance walker, she's also an ultra marathon walker and the chair of the Ramblers Association. So guess what we spoke about? We had a great conversation dissecting the ins and outs of ultramarathon walking, something which was totally new to me. We then moved on to talking about outdoor gear and how many brands totally underrepresent many potential customers and how Rebecca has uh, partially overcome this. And finally, we move on to talking about the Ramblers Association and the role they place in opening up places for us to walk um, and all they do for us. So I hope you found this episode interesting. I think it's a great episode, thoroughly enjoyed doing it, and no doubt you will enjoy it too. Enjoy the episode. So yeah, thank you uh, for joining me today. Uh, like honestly, it's Welcome. really nice. I uh, put that post out about I don't know, must have been seven or so weeks ago now, uh, looking for somebody who was not kind of myself. Because I think what I realised quite quickly into doing this is that I'd just naturally gone for what was comfortable for me, which was talking to guys um, who were into hiking. And I thought, oh, hang on, I don't want this to be a podcast which is about do hiking. Um, I was like, <laughs> okay, so. 
I don't really know a lot of women who hike. Uh, my partner does, but I didn't think that she'd want to be on the show or she doesn't. So it's like, <laughs> I was like, oh no, what do I do? So I was like, I, I thought, right, I, I'll start, I contacted some people through Instagram who I thought were really interested in anyway um, and who I've been following. And then you kind of commented and kind of said, oh, I could come on the show. And I, was, I had a look and I was like, yeah, you can totally come on the show. You're like, you're the perfect fit. So really, oh, really glad really... that you kind of put yourself forward for it. So here you are, volunteered. <laughs> I, I, well, that's probably going to be a theme of what we talk about. I am one of those yeah. people that just volunteers myself for things without oh, thinking yeah. them through. <laughs> it's that, which includes the ramblers as well. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Really, I'm going to get but, to yeah, that. I'm told, yeah, I'll get to the ramblers bit later because I do want to ask yeah. about that because I'm curious as to kind of how one gets onto the chair of the biggest walking charity <laughs> in the UK. I think that's super interesting. Um, and actually, when you said that you wanted to be on the show anyway, um, you did kind of put that as your kind of unique selling point. And I was like, oh, she ramblers the chair. And then I had a look at your. Um, I had to find you like what else you were doing through your profile on Facebook. <laughs> And I'm really glad that I found your page on Instagram and the stuff you do under Rebecca the Rambler. And yes. I thought that was amazing. So I've got a few, I've got quite a few questions as I've sent you um, about that. <laughs> so I'm going to hit you with the first question. Um, okay. So where did your interest for long distance hiking come from? Where did it start? Where was the beginning for you? Well, it, it, I'm going to tell you something first, yeah. which kind of explains the sort of bizarreness around why I like hiking okay. distance. I now. like bizarre. So this my mum, well, it's not really that bizarre, but my <laughs> mum reminded me the other yeah. day um, <clears throat> as I was, I can't remember if I'd either finished an ultramarathon or if I was going to do one anyway. She said, she said, I find it so funny because when you were a child, the last you wanted to do was go walking. We had to drag you on a walk. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, I was much more into horse riding when I was a child, to be honest, okay. um, but I can't afford them anymore, so I walk. Um, uh, not that it's that much cheaper, I'll be honest. Um, where did my interest come? Well, so the, that just kind of explained that I wasn't a walker. Um, and what I did was my friend encouraged me. Um, I said I'm one of those people that's rubbish at saying no. So my friend encouraged me to do a charity marathon with her, which was London Moonwalk. Um, I don't know if you've heard about that. I do. But this is the it, breast cancer walk. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's it's a marathon distance in London at night, and we all wear madly decorated bras. Um, so I signed up for that, not really thinking it through. Did some training, pulled a hamstring, still did the event because I'm that kind of person. Um, in massive pain, and met a lovely girl on the walk, and we kind of helped each other to the finish line, which was amazing. And my friend actually pulled out about five five miles into the to, to the walk, um, who'd who'd encouraged me to sign up. And after that finished, I was like, oh, it's amazing. I want to do it again and do it less injured. And in between then, one of my friends who does triathlons, one of those mm. like super fit people, yep. suggested, oh, don't suppose you fancy doing Hadrian's Wall Path as a holiday with okay. me in the summer, do you? Mm. And I was like, um, yeah, why not? Um, and I was like, what do I need to do? How long is it? How many days? How far do we walk? I had no idea what any of this stuff was. Um, Anyway, he organised it and went, don't worry, you've walked a marathon, you'll be fine. I was like, okay. So um, so I did it. And it was amazing. <clears throat> it was the most amazing experience. And I was hooked. I was hooked. And how, how after you did that first um, marathon, so going back to the moonwalk in London, when, when you did that, how did that feel? What, what was the feeling you had afterwards with it? Pain. Pain. if I'm honest yeah yeah a lot of pain um but exhilaration there was quite a few tears um 
it was um yeah there was a lot of emotion just around knowing that I'd done what I set out to do and I'd raised lots of money for charity and it was like a personal challenge and I am one for a personal challenge so I was kind of fired up for more of that if I'm honest I was going to ask that, that was there that feeling then that you wanted just to do more of it and you just sort of got the bug straight away yeah pretty yeah. much <laughs> okay and with the Hadrian's Wall path walk did you camp with that wall or did you do B&Bs along there no, we didn't camp. We, um, my friend organised it all because he was brilliant at that. So we we did B and Bs like along the way, and we kind of left the trail to go off to them and and stuff. Um, but I think that was the right thing to do for me because it was my first one. And um, I, I think sometimes there's a bit of a stigma around people who don't camp. And I'm like, but we can all enjoy the trail. Oh, I'm all about the for, walking. I'm all for enjoying the trail, regardless of how you choose to do it. I don't, I, I don't think it's important whether you camp, you, you know, in a campsite or your wild camp or you, you don't camp at all um, or you, you stay in a and b or a five-star luxury hotel along the way. I think it, what matters is that you're, you're doing something you enjoy. So I, I certainly uh, discourage any stigma around that. Um, yeah, no, that's great. And, and, and as do I. And, and, it, and I will say quite honestly, we used a baggage company as well. Yeah, which is fine. Because yeah. at that time... I didn't really know what to take and I took far too much and I took an enormous bag uh, from all my other stuff and but you know what for me comfort is really important so I just yeah it was like we used the the the, the luggage uh, transfer company stayed in lovely B&Bs um, or a slightly cheap hotel um, the one in um, uh, Carlisle was quite interesting it was right on the um, the main kind of I don't know what it's the main high street or something it was very loud was it because it oh, was like a friday and a saturday oh, night that we were staying there it's a lot of partying yeah and we were very tired well i think <laughs> with with the difference you would have had with these you know nice countryside located b&b's yeah. on most of the route i suspect that was uh that was a bit of a change how long did it take you to walk that first trail then so we did it in five days okay. um purely because that was the time we had available yeah. i had a I think at the time I was attempting to do running. So I think I had like a run thing the week before or the week after, or no, it must have been the week before. And my friend had a triathlon the weekend after. So it was all we could squeeze in, basically. Um, in hindsight, I would have liked to have taken longer. Hmm. Just to experience it. Yeah, more. well, we didn't get, we didn't have any time to stop yeah. at any of like the Roman sites along mm. the way. And mm. um, they look really interesting. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah but, you know. there's definitely a thing about um obviously as i say there's there's no right or wrong way to do it but i personally am one to want to take my time with hiking in general because i like the idea of stopping um and just exploring a little bit i'm really curious i'll quite happily diverge off and and find things that are interest so i'm, I'm a, i would be i'm a low mileage hiker because i like just to stop and be you know have a nosy round and have a drink in a pub so i think that's a nice way of doing it and with your first as well luggage transfers are a great option i think for people who's just starting hiking so you know if there's anybody who is listening to this podcast who's thinking about getting into it and kind of daunted by the prospect of perhaps um you know carrying your own kit you don't have to there are options for that even if you're camping you can have your camping kit carried as well yeah i've done that as well yeah which is totally <laughs> and it was yeah. brilliant yeah i am not a light camper yeah <laughs> <laughs> And you don't have to be either. I think that's great. And I think it's just there's, that having that option on a lot of trails, especially the well-known ones, is just a real benefit. So, you know, yeah, kudos absolutely. to the luggage transfer companies who do a really great job. Um, so yeah. to date, um, how many, roughly how many long distance trails have you hiked? 
Um, so not that many. I've hmm. completed two. Yeah. So Hadrian's Wall and then we did West Highland Way last year. We squeezed in um, <clears throat> when we weren't all locked down. Um, um, and, and actually, it was the Hadrian's Wall path that made me want to do West Highland Way because my friend had done it. And so it took me <clears throat> taking me years to get to do it. And then I've done kind of bits of lots of other ones. So um, the Norfolk Coast Path is one that I've sort of done half of. And again, I plan to do the other half this year, but I haven't got to it yet. Okay. Um, and <clears throat> I've done other bits of like done bits of the Icknield Way because um, that kind of runs through where I live. So uh, with my walking group, we started it like oh god was it beginning of last year i think walking it in sections as a group we didn't we didn't get very far because then covid happened of but course, yeah. anyway we've done bits of it and um and kind of various other bits of other other ones but not anything you know sections really um so there's there's more on the list than i've yes. done <laughs> yes that's okay um and out of out of the hadrian's wall path and the west highland way which one would you, was your favorite out of the two did you have a favorite Oh, you can't ask me that question. Oh, it's like choosing between question. my cats. Is it? Um, oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> Which one would you um, walk again tomorrow if you had the opportunity? Oh, God, I don't know. No? Both of them. They yeah. were amazing, but they were yeah. amazing in, in different to ways. totally yeah. different ways. Yeah. You know, um, the West Highland Way was so beautiful in places. I mean, I mean, just Glencoe is stunning, and and I was just blown away by that. Um um but it was a different experience we camped that one um the weather was different um uh, you know we, we took slightly longer hadrian's wall was like the views in the middle of it were beautiful but i really liked that kind of mix of urban and rural that we got throughout it you know you walk through the middle of newcastle that's mental yeah along um, the river yeah so you know they were just really really different um if i was to take bits of them I would do I would do the middle bit of Hadrian's Wall to the National Park and I would Which probably do yeah. yeah yeah and I would probably do um I wouldn't walk along Loch Lomond again um Why is ideally that? Uh, because it was horrible I mean people say it's like the best bit it is the it, it's just like really narrow path really rocky you have to clamber up boulders you have to scramble over things and when you've got a heavy pack it's just really hard work and we 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 was we didn't realize what the terrain was going to be like and um yeah we aimed to do i think 20 miles that day hmm. and that was tough, tough so tough, is, tough. is that a section where you gain quite because i've not done it so I'm, I'm curious is that a section where you gain quite a lot of elevation or is it just that you're no, quite flat it, yeah you... you're actually quite flat but you're constantly going up and down up and down a tiny okay. little bit oh, and there are some you know there are some kind of hillier bits but it's it's not it, that's not the big elevation gain day um but it's just really long there's no escape um and and you're really in the middle of well you're on the side of the lock and there's there's really nothing yeah. um and all the hotels were closed because of covid oh, so really? oh, okay oh i see so what um you, that was a 2012 summer 2012 or 2020 oh sorry 2020 sorry yeah tw I was, you know i was thinking about the olympics today that's why my head's in 2012 <laughs> um the, the london one sorry 2020 walk yes Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. great. So that was that was on that kind of brief period in the summer that we managed to start getting out. Yeah, we went yeah. in um uh, what was it about mid August. Yeah. Um ah. so yeah, just in just in that just period in when we yeah. could get away. Two, um, two month and a half or whatever it was. Yeah. Months. Yeah. So ah, okay. uh, it was really nice. And did you um, so you camped that? Did you wild camp along the West Highland Way? No, I have never wild camped. Um it's something I'd like to do, but I'm not quite there yet. Yeah. And um my partner quite likes it, but mm. I haven't done it yet. So yeah. no, so we did camp, but we camped at campsites and 
again we use the baggage transfer company to yeah. transfer it between campsites yeah. um I so i just yeah. we just carried a day a day yeah. pack oh, okay. um but yeah which worked for us you know because it meant we could do the camping thing uh without having to carry everything so. okay okay so walk-ins obviously um led on to ultramarathons so um, ultramarathons <laughs> seems to be a pretty big part of your life so you started with the, the moonwalk which was a marathon was it a marathon or a marathon walk it's just a marathon length okay. and it is a walk rather yeah. than a run so is it is, so participants are encouraged to walk rather than run that one I guess. Yes, or, I don't yeah. think you're actually allowed to run it. I think oh, you might you actually not? get disqualified if you run. <laughs> okay, yes, it's not a race, is it? It's just a part <laughs> no, of the No, no, it's okay. not a race. So where did it start with ultramarathons? So, yeah, so I did I did the moonwalk um, three times, each time trying to kind of improve on what I'd done the last time. And the third time I did do a pretty good time. Um, I like a target to aim for. And... Um, and then I think I took a year off from doing any kind of challenging stuff. And I just found that I was really unmotivated. Um, I was still walking with my walking group and stuff, but wasn't really doing anything. And I thought the next year, I thought I need a challenge. And what date was so, this? What year was that? <clears throat> roughly. Uh, 2015, maybe. Okay. No, that doesn't seem right. Maybe it was 20, 2016, something around, yeah, a few years ago. Um, and... I decided um, I'd seen that the charity that run the moonwalk, which is walk the walk, yeah. um, also kind of uh, did some other events or they kind of were participating in other events. And one of them was the Thames Path. OK. Um, so the Thames Path Challenge, which um, uh, you could do like a varying different distances. So you could do 25K, 50K or 100K. And I thought, oh, 50K. Well, I thought, well, that's a little bit, a steady one mile, a little bit more a marathon but I was like there's no way I'm going to do 100 don't be insane um so I decided to do that I thought this is going to be a massive challenge I have yeah. no idea whether my hamstrings can cope with any more than a marathon okay uh, I trained all year for it okay. and I really took it seriously yeah. and so you really but put I, your all in to get into it you were you didn't do this yeah. sort of last minute oh, I've got a marathon in six weeks I need to start doing some running it was really no. committed to it yeah, no, no, I have to like commit yeah. and put the time in. Otherwise, it's way too stressful. Yeah. Is that is that your general nature to do things like that then to really go all in on something? Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Mm. Um, it's kind of all encompassing okay. um, or not. <laughs> Fair enough. That's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I trained all year for it. And um, I didn't know anyone who'd done anything like that before. Okay. So it was like completely unknown experience and I didn't know anyone who did it um with me I, I literally went alone and obviously like that's don't really daunting until, it's really it was really daunting alone. yeah but I knew like obviously I'd done on the I'd done the moonwalk um three times so I knew that you just kind of chat to people mm. on the walk um so I knew that that would happen but I was also kind of quite focused on a goal I wanted to do it kind of trying meet a specific time my partner then came and met me at various points along the walk. He'd just like jump out of the bushes and take pictures. Yeah. It was really quite funny. <laughs> um, and yeah, like he met me at halfway with like a change of shoes because it rained as it would do yeah. um, quite a lot. Okay. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I amazed myself when I finished. I was like, I felt great and, um, you know, no major injuries. Um, and I'd met, you know, chatted to some people on the way. And I was like, wow, yay, challenge done. Hurrah, I can do 50K. That's amazing. And then I kind of forgot about it. Okay. 
Um, so how, so how, after you forgot about it, <clears throat> um, how how long was it again since the, the spark came back and you you, you carried? In on? fairness, not not long. No, not the long. next year. I think I then decided to do like a year of mm. personal challenges. It wasn't like a big birthday year or anything. I just decided that I'd do it for fun. Yeah, why not? Um, <laughs> and I can't remember what all of them are, but we did. Um, we did. Oh, oh, I did. Um, St Albans half marathon which is a, a like a walking marathon that was like a training test yeah. to see how i was doing okay and then my group my my ramblers group and i we as a small group of us did yorkshire three peaks okay um hmm. on the hot one of the hottest days of the year in the july which <laughs> right. was mental yeah. um I've, I've done something about hours. yorkshire in yeah. july yeah and the heat because this came back to bite me uh two weeks ago <laughs> With the Yorkshire, hang on, I got a Yorkshire challenge, the Yorkshire challenge, yes. Yorkshire challenge, yeah. <laughs> yes, okay. yes, but the weather was insanely hot as well. I was going to say, I saw three days ago you posted about that, and I, I did think it was pretty hot three days ago, so. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was really, really <laughs> hot, it's just insane. Um, And then, what else did we do? Oh, and then, um, I'm sure there was something else, oh, I, which I can't remember now, but mm. um, we, we did, I did four things that year, and the final thing was to do another 50k, which was like the ultra challenges end of season kind of event which is just a 50k that's the only distance really and um there's camping and it's all kind of a party atmosphere so a friend of mine did that with me which was great fun oh no i know i did the other what, the third challenge i did was the green sand ridge i think green sand ridge walk or green sand ridge way okay, anyway, it's, it's near me so it runs from a village in called gamlingate in cambridgeshire all the way to leighton buzzard in bedfordshire it's uh, 40 miles so that's 40 miles on flat Cambridgeshire countryside? Oh, or... Cambridge is not all flat. Is it not? Um, no. I'm not, there I'm not some... big down to Cambridgeshire. That sounds there awful. There are some rolling, actually, rolling bits. I mean, yeah. you know, we're not talking Yorkshire here, but, yeah. you know, it's, it's, not, rolling, all, rolling it's not all the fence. Yeah, because <laughs> that, I mean, that, that's, that's good, actually, because that kind of rolling <laughs> countryside is probably quite welcome because it yeah. changes the, the profile of your feet because you know when when I've done any walking somewhere flat it's just unforgiving because it's just that constant pace where you don't get any kind of yeah well Thames Pass Challenge was a bit yeah. like that because yeah. it is really really flat hmm. um, but the Green Sand Ridge Walk actually mostly follows the ridge line which you know right's called the Green Sand Ridge and um, you do go up and down it a little bit um, which, which is really nice and it crosses through actually some really pretty uh, countryside um it's mainly in in bedfordshire um actually it's only it's only a little bit of it in cambridgeshire because gambling is only just over the border um but yeah no it takes in some really lovely like um kind of country parks and deer parks and stuff as well so it's really nice so so i did that and then i did this 50k at the end um and then after that i thought oh i'll do another 50 this is a thing this is a thing i can do yeah so i signed up to the isle of wight 50k okay and then i met a friend in the new year yeah, in my walking group, hmm. and turned out she was doing the Isle of Wight as well. Okay. She was doing the hundred. Okay, so you upped it. Well, we no? started training together. Okay, and then, <laughs> then basically, she persuaded me that I could probably do a hundred over two days. Um, so yeah, she talked me into it. So my first, well, it's a hundred and six k. It's not even a hundred. Um. Yeah, so that was my first hundred, basically. Okay, uh, that's really interesting. So I've got a few questions about ultramarathons, actually. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm interested, so I suspect anybody, somebody listening to this maybe as well. So I've always assumed ultramarathons are something that you have to um, 
do at a really fast pace and you can't stop overnight. So there's two things that you've already, you know, uh, the stopping overnight thing is is one thing. And also you came into this as a complete beginner. And, you know, I, it's, it, I really want to know, like, for somebody like myself, I, you know, I, I don't do any running at all. Uh, if I, do you have to learn to run to do an ultra marathon or can you walk an ultra marathon? I hate running, but I love walking. I also hate running. So this is why them? I walk. You do no, walk them. You no, no, I walk them. Okay. No, I don't run at all. So running tra- is like you, the devil to me. Okay. Yeah. Like, likewise, I, I try to enjoy it and I just can't. No matter what I do, you know, I've done strings of, you know, I've managed to run for three weeks and I get to the end of it and like, surely I should be starting to enjoy this now. And I still hate it. So I, I've always thought, a mis- and this is obviously a misconception, I could never do something like an ultra marathon because I don't run. But that's obviously not the case. You walk them. Yeah, I, okay. I walk them and thousands and thousands of people walk them. That's really you have to pick the right ones because yeah. the, the, there, are, there are quite a few. I mean, I would say most ultramarathons are designed for runners. Okay, but there are some um, kind of event providers that are much more geared up for walkers and have much longer cutoff times and also have the option of a two-day daylight option. So if you don't want to walk through the night, you can just walk the distance over two days. So is it obvious which ones will offer that? Is there a, is there a way to find no. out or is it just a bit of research? No, it's not that easy to find out. But the ones that often are kind of charity orientated, they tend to be more geared towards walkers. Okay. Because um, the there's one, quite I mean, a lot of companies who just specialize in doing ultra events don't they but you know yeah. like like tough mudder specialize in their kind of things and they take in a lot of money you get these companies who just do ultras and you know yeah, yeah. exactly so the, the company that i mo- use mostly is action challenge so they're called ultra challenges um ultra challenge um various brands um but i've also um there's also um threshold um which do the race two series there's like three of them and then i did do um trek fest uh i think they're global adventure something or others global adventure challenge well, the name um, trek already sounds more appealing <laughs> yeah, well, yeah we did um uh uh they uh, we did um penny fan uh, okay. in in um in wales um which was brilliant that was a 50 that was hard that was tough because it was obviously quite hilly um <laughs> so yeah i think if you look for ones that are kind of charity orientated they tend to be more geared to walkers and you don't always have to raise money for a charity you can generally self-fund so i started off doing it raising money for charity but when you do four events a year struggling to uh it's a bit tricky so i self i self-fund this madness now i pay for this pain yeah Uh, well and and so just the so the entry for a lot of the charity ones you do have to raise a certain amount of money to in order to get in yeah. yeah, you do. You have to raise um, a certain amount. And it's roughly how much it's not small. I think for the, I can only remember for the action challenge ones, mm. it's over 700 pounds. I want to say like okay. 750 or something like that for mm. a fully funded place. Yeah. Um, but if you want to pay or a very minimally funded place for mm. you, but you can do half. So you can like fund half of it and then the other half, you can, you can raise like 300 and something pounds for okay, charity. So yeah. So then it can be slightly more affordable depending on what you want to do. So that the, the, companies and charities who organize this are not too bothered how you raise the money so if you want to just put your own 700 or so pounds into it you can do that or you can you can raise it how you want really yeah and yeah. actually if, if you're paying for it yourself it's not 700 pounds i should be clear mm. that's just yeah. if you're raising money for charity because oh, obviously see. the charity has to pay for your place i think it's like 100 and 
20 quid or something to oh, okay. enter for yourself. Okay. All um, oh, right. That's which that feels fairly affordable, to be honest, for something like that. Yeah. Especially considering yeah. how much work goes into these and the marshalling and, you know, the food stops. And... The support is amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's that's probably why I love doing them so much. It's like a real community. Mm. Um, and everyone is massively supportive. The event really looks after you in terms of signage, rest points, uh, medical and first aid, um, massages at halfway. Oh, wow. Free um, massages at halfway. Food. Yeah, I mean, they're oh, only they're five just... minutes, but, you know, Man. if you've got a tweaky <laughs> yeah. muscle, they'll I, I put their elbow into great it. and you've done a halfway plant <laughs> and you just, you got a sore calves and just, yeah, that must be, that's a really good idea. Yeah, no, they, they freed off hip flexors for me and oh, yeah. glutes and all stuff. Oh, incredible. Before, so, that's yeah, amazing. It's, yeah, no, it's yeah. great. They're really, really good. Um, yeah, it's, it's like the ultra challenges. I mean, they are really tough, but they're just like, that's the most amazing experience. You get to see beautiful countryside. Yeah. Um, and you get to do a really tough physical challenge and feel like amazed at the end of it. And like, wow, I can't believe I did that. You know? Are you the type of person when you're doing it, you think this is great? Or do you think this is horrendous? Why am I doing this? And then afterwards, you have that post kind of pleasure that you get where you go, oh, I'm so glad I did that. That was amazing. Definitely the latter. Yeah, <laughs> I am definitely one for moaning. Yeah. My poor teammate. Okay. Um, I'm definitely one for moaning about how hot it is, how much my feet hurt, how the terrain is horrific. Why is this hill so high? Why is it going on for so long? Um, and it's just, it's all part of the experience, really. Okay. But then sometimes you stop at the top of the hill and you just go, oh, wow, look at that view. Mm. And you take a picture and then you keep walking. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and how, how long does it roughly take you? Say if you do a one day event with, say, 50 kilometers is a one day. Uh, uh, well, yes, if, if, you could do a 50 in in, yeah. um, uh, in in one day. Um, so, I mean. How many hours of walking would that be? Well, I don't know how many hours exactly of walking, but total elapsed time, including your rest breaks, we generally average around 12 hours on a good day. Okay. Um <clears throat> Yorkshire took longer. Yeah. Okay. So tw- twelve hours <clears throat> on the trail with with rest breaks, food stops, massages. Um, that sounds roughly. Yeah. yeah I mean, that sounds relatively. That sounds hard because you know even walking for two to three hours, you know, for can, can be difficult. So you know, twelve hours isn't isn't easy. But I mean, it and that's my difficult. time. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's my time. Yeah. And there are loads of people who were quicker. Um, and there were also quite a lot of people who were slower. Um, so I'm kind of probably somewhere in the middle um really um but i you know i don't like to beat myself up too much no no i mean i think i think just just actually asking you about the experience from your point of view is really interesting and you know i I, i'm i'm curious about it because it's definitely something i'd like to do at some point and i've always thought that as i said before you know ultra marathons are for guys who you know for for like the john john kelly for instance who just did that you know Pennine way record you know people like him and I'm, like, oh, I'm not a person like him and I don't not sure I want to be because I don't enjoy running that much but you know talking to yourself where you walk them I just didn't know you could walk them oh yeah and you know yeah. what the John Kelly type people they are totally there they're the yeah. runners yeah. and they set off in the morning and you never see them yeah which is amazing um, but it's just and, not for and me. you just see how yeah. quick they do it on, yeah. on on Facebook later but you yeah. know there was so the majority of people who do ultras and particularly these kind of ultras which are kind of open to all and they're not solely focused on runners the people are of all different shapes and sizes all different ages you've got 17 16 17 year old kids doing it with their mom and dad you've got um 70 year old woman there's an amazing woman called kate and i've forgotten her surname but um she is 
turning 80 this year or next year and she wants to do 80 marathons she was doing her 78th marathon in yorkshire with me and and she and she did it faster than me as well wow she's she's only about like six to ten years ago i think not that long ago Hmm. um i think she'd been you know done other stuff before but all basically it's just like anyone can do an ultra the human body is amazing and and i think that's one of the barriers that people think oh i could my body could never walk that far it's like insane i'm like your body is incredible and actually if you train it and you have that self-determination you will get to that finish line um and it doesn't matter what length that finish line is, whether it's 25K, 50K, 100K, you will get there if you want it. And and if your body's in kind of uh, the right way, you know, the one thing that will stop you is blisters. And yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you've talked about these before, but there's yeah. like, there's no, uh, there's no right answer. Up yet, to... But it's not, not surprised. <laughs> it surprised me they haven't actually. So go, go for it. <laughs> there's, there's just no one right way of dealing with them. You know, <clears throat> the weather... Um, can make such a difference and I think just event day just throws everything off kilter you know um, you think you can have like the perfect blister prevention program and it works all the time you get to event day and you end up with a massive blister and you're like yeah. how yeah where have you it's come from yeah yeah I mean um, yeah so I mean that's that's really helpful advice um, I've I've found that really useful personally and yeah you've definitely inspired me to kind of you should definitely a, do one have a devil I'm really curious <laughs> like because I think for me what I my limitation at the moment I so I, I do this whole thing where I run UK long distance hiking I do this podcast the, the 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 reality is at the moment I've got two young kids and you know I work a full-time job and I do the podcast on the side and I don't have a lot of time to do the long distance trails that I want to do so, you know, the, the idea, and I'm, I'm sure I'm not alone in that feeling that kind of, I want to do more, but I can't do more. The idea of doing a week, a day where I can go and do 12 hours of walking and I've done a, done a long distance, which is what I want to do is really appealing. So no, thanks. Thanks for the advice for that. And since you've started, have you noticed an increase in people? Cause you said of all shapes, sizes and colors doing it. Have you noticed an increase on people who aren't just sinewy runners running long distance, uh, walking long distance, um, so walking ultra marathons. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, has it been obvious? Cause I I've noticed it in the outdoors in general, that it, it does feel like it's going in the direction to be, or, or feeling more diverse, which is where it needs to go. Have you noticed that there? Yeah, I yeah. have. I have. I, I noticed in Yorkshire, there was quite, a quite a, an increase in number of people, um, from, um people people of color there were quite a lot of um asian ladies i met one in the pub the night before we had a good old chat and the ladies about about doing the event the next day um she was uh i think she finished i'm sure she did i think i saw her on the trail um and like just yeah lots of people um doing it who probably wouldn't normally be walkers you know and i think that's think the charity element of that brings in different kinds of people because they're doing it for a cause And the thing with ultras is once yeah. you do one, yeah. most people become addicted. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> so yeah. they go back for more, even if yeah. they're not doing it for charity. And and I think that's what brings people in. And and seeing other people do it, you know, I, I didn't know that I could do it. And actually the moonwalk probably gave me that confidence because there are ladies of all different shapes, sizes, colors, ages doing that walk. And I think if I'd seen just a load of... Um, kind of really fit women and like mm. we're doing it I yeah. might have felt slightly uncomfortable because I'm not one of those people um 
and I, I think actually I've seen definitely seen a change and seen more people a out walking in general but also this kind of diverse community in that kind of in the ultra world that's really interesting that's really really interesting thanks for that um so i'm going to uh, finish up with the ultra walking because uh ultra marathons um i want to go back to the training so somebody is now feeling inspired to do this obviously the next thing you go do is go to google and how to train for an ultra marathon how did you train for the ultra marathon because you, so, you did quite a lot and you really committed to it. So it obviously, I did. it wasn't two weeks before. It was <laughs> No, it definitely before. wasn't two yeah. weeks before. It was probably six months before and I kind of built it up. Um, I think just it, a lot of people say that it comes down to time on feet. It's really getting the time um, to walk. It doesn't always have to, you don't have to be walking 20 miles every weekend. Just building it up slowly over time. Lots of short walks, you know, just walking with the dog or walking with the kids, walking to the shops okay all kind of adds up okay and it's just about building that resilience in mm. your in your legs in your feet getting used to your equipment in, a, in ahead of time doing a mix of terrain so you know doing some some footpath walk, walking or some road walking because believe you me there is quite a lot of tarmac in is an ultra marathon. Okay. Yeah. Yes, they sneak it in. They sneak it in when you're feeling really tired. Yeah. Um, often with a hill. Hmm. Um, and it's harder. <laughs> tarmac's really difficult to walk on for long periods of time. It is. It's yeah. just for a long yeah. period of time. It's great for cars, but not good for us. <clears throat> no. Um, and and yeah, and kind of building in lots of um, you know different types of terrain in the countryside as well. So you know, if you've got hills that you can get to, great. I do struggle with that. So I have mm -hmm. to, to kind of go yep. up and down the same hill multiple times Okay. Um, and trying to walk on different kind of like rocky terrain. It depends on the ultra that you're planning towards, you know, try and get an understanding of what terrain you're likely to encounter and try and put a mix of that in because that will just help your feet get used to it. Okay. <laughs> but okay. yeah, just, just, you know, short walks is all good. Okay. Brilliant. That's really interesting. Um, so I'm going to move on from ultras now. Um, now when I was doing my research on you, um, I came across the Fit for Women campaign, which really piqued my interest. Now, um, can I ask about the Fit for Women campaign, what it is and what inspired it? Yeah, you can. I, 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 I knew you were going to talk about this and it's like, <laughs> I really want to talk about it, but I haven't done anything about it because um, I got really busy at work. Okay. But basically, um, I just get really frustrated that women are find it difficult to access the outdoors because of um clothing that is um badly fitted they can't get it in their size the choice isn't there in terms of technical clothing and i think this is a barrier i think it's a real barrier to women accessing the outdoors um and so i got really cross about it one day um and started posting on instagram what was basically. the spark for you to get cross was there an experience with a particular brand or it was an ad it was an ad by i think it was like revolution race or something about okay. a pair of shorts and i was really annoyed because um like the biggest size they went up to was like you wouldn't have fitted me now okay. i'm a uk size 16 hmm. roughly you know yeah. sometimes a bit bigger sometimes a bit smaller okay and that's kind of the average size for a yeah. woman in the UK. And I don't consider myself to be like extreme in any particular proportion. Um, but I really struggle to get close to fit me. And I struggle with brands not having sizes that go up high enough. Case in point was when I bought my Yorkshire Challenge t-shirt at the Yorkshire Challenge. I had to buy an XXL 
Okay, so you had to go for the men's fit, right. No, it was the women's fit one, but it was the biggest size they did. Oh, I see. And it was an XXL. Okay. Now, I'm sorry, but that's not on. Yeah. You know, Um, the average size woman should not have to buy something that's a two times XL and is the largest size available. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So they've got, anyway, lots of this stuff got me cross and I started Mm. posting about it. And Mm. there's, what I discovered was there's loads and loads of women talking about this issue. Okay. Um, loads of women there are loads of Facebook groups there's loads of Instagram um, sort of conversations going on and there's some really great work being done um, you know people are campaigning um, there are surveys being done sometimes with brands so Alpkit did a, did a survey with someone um, and so there's lots of conversations but the brands aren't listening so this was kind of what I wanted to do with the Fit for Women campaign was try and bring all these desperate people together so that we can amplify our voice so rather than this sort of scattered um kind of activism towards this you want to just create a encompassing kind of yeah yeah voice as you say yeah yeah and it just wasn't wasn't just focused on hiking either but it was focused on the whole outdoors okay because there are people doing stuff about you know wetsuits for stand-up paddleboarding there are people doing stuff for hiking clothing there are people doing you know stuff in all sorts Mm. of outdoor activities but they're all very disparate and i Mm. I just felt it, we could amplify our voice if we all came together. Okay. Um, but so, I've been distracted and haven't got very far. No, it's okay. I'm still really, is, uh, life happens and gets in the way. And obviously yeah. these, these <laughs> things, you know, work does come first often. But so when, um, how long ago was it since you started the campaign? Oh, it was like a few months ago now. Okay. Um, oh, so it's I not, got really it, wasn't, excited. it wasn't years ago. It was quite recent anyway. Yeah, no, yeah. it was this year. It was okay. literally just like a few months ago. Yeah. Um, and, you know, subsequently, some of the women that I met through those initial conversations, they've gone and set up a Facebook group, um, uh, you know, because they're bringing some communities together. So there's still work going on, which is which is great. And I've yeah, I just um, <laughs> as I said, I'm one of those people that's not very good at saying no. And so I do all this stuff and I'm like, I haven't got time for all of it. No, and so that unfortunately yeah. has fallen slightly off the yeah. sort of hot list at the moment, but it will come back and it's not going away because yeah. frankly, this issue isn't going away yeah. anytime soon. You, you're going to see it through and try and get a few brands at least to to start making some changes. With yeah, that would be, slides. that would be the, the, the big thing yeah. is, is to, to get brands to recognize that it's a problem. Okay. And to get brands to recognize that they're actually missing out on a big slice of the market. Hmm. And one of the arguments a lot of them use is that, well, there isn't, you know, the, the sales opportunity there to make bigger sizes or different hmm. cuts or whatever. Hmm. But that's not necessarily what we're hearing hmm. from the community. Okay. Um, you know, and. So you've got a community uh, yeah. which is seems quite large. And how many, how many are in the Facebook um, group in terms of size? Well, this is, they're all very disparate in different groups, so I don't know how many oh, exactly. Okay, so there's not just one, yeah. So you've got this, no. what seems to be quite a large community anyway. So it's, I guess it's about getting an idea of how many people are, you know, struggling with this and want brands to produce the kit that they can actually wear. And then saying to brands, this is actually, you're saying to us that, you know, we, uh, you can't do this because, you know, there isn't the demand there. And where, where at that point you can say, well, actually, I've got a campaign here of, you know, 100,000 women who say differently. And that's just representative yeah. of probably a broader figure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, that's one aspect of, of what we'd like to do with the campaign um, is to kind of demonstrate the the need in the in in the outdoors community for a different approach from brands and it's not like you know there are some brands doing good things 
there are some small brands who are taking some steps um, in the right direction, but it's even more difficult for small brands because they don't have necessarily the investment available to make a really, really broad range of sizes. Um, but, you know, some of them are doing some good things. Um, we, we need, it's often it's um, the more mainstream brands that mm. really need to step up because they're the ones that are seen by the majority of people. Mm. And it's, it's often those new entrants to the outdoors so whether people are just getting into hiking or they've just started doing like paddle boarding or they just started wild swimming or whatever it might be they don't necessarily know where to go and so they might just go into like a Cotswold or a go outdoors um, and that's where they're going to look for stuff and that's where you know either you get the kind of very mainstream but sort of cheaper end of the market brands which are great because they often have a bigger range of sizes but they're not as technical and the quality often isn't there or it's you know or there isn't at the higher end brands the sizes stop at 16 or okay. 18 if you're yeah. really lucky yeah it's just insane and and so for somebody who is just starting out and you know isn't going to uh, a size 14 or even 16 and below isn't going to work for them are there any particular brands that you use which you've found do provide or have at least something that provide for you you know it those? really varies you have to really shop around do you? um okay yeah i mean there's a brand called akai i don't know if i pronounce yeah, it yeah akai but... activewear yes it starts <laughs> yeah, with trousers I, mean, I think i don't know if they do anything other than trousers yeah, yeah. they've started doing some other things and their okay. trousers are okay i hmm. do have a few pairs of them um and they make kind of out that they're like really you know inclusive and they go up to a size mm. 22 but they only go up to a size 22 in one specific cut and style okay and it's a skinny style right and not everyone wants to wear skinny trousers in the yes. outdoors <laughs> okay. um so then they, they're good but they're not perfect and there's lots of other brands that are kind of in between i mean interestingly i when i went to buy i wanted to buy like um a down jacket um uh, last year um uh because I wanted to have it on London to Brighton Ultramarathon because I knew it was going to be cold at night. Okay. Uh, and I really wanted like a really good one. You yeah. know, I was prepared to invest in a really good one that was going to last me a long time. And I really struggled to find a brand that mm. would do one in my size. Mm. In the end, I actually got a Rab one. Mm. Um, and actually, I actually bought a size 18 because the size guide said that that's what would fit me. When it arrived, it was enormous. And it was like the size guides don't always tally up with what you mm. expect mm. um so that was good in one way but i was like oh their sizing is just weird it was still a tricky experience it yeah. was still tricky yeah. and um with waterproof coats i really struggle yeah um interestingly decathlon mm. um was the only place i could find a, 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 a waterproof coat within budget um that fitted me yeah. and i it was it was the largest size that they did again I, I so think, yeah, yeah decathlon do tend to do a slightly better range from my knowledge um and i think the other brand which i know of but they are on the cheaper end of the scale is regatta which do quite a yeah regatta and range. peter storm also yes. But obviously with Those, Regatta and Peter yeah. Storm, when you're starting out, amazing. But as you start to realize the gear you want, some of their stuff does fall a bit short in terms of, you know, ability to keep you waterproof, for instance. Um, but it's yeah, good, good the reliability. It's yeah, it's just same. that reliability yeah. of kit, really. And, is, yeah. and yeah, it's tricky. You do get what you pay for in some cases. Um, so if you were, <clears throat> here's a question for you. If you haven't got an answer for this, that's totally fine. But if you were to start an outdoor company, uh selling um clothing what would you do differently from the outset 
So I think actually how would I approach that was to say, how can I help people get outside comfortably and safely? Mm. And the way to do that is to ensure that they have the good quality kit that they need in the budget that they can afford. Now that's like, it seems to be like an impossible thing to do. Mm. Um, But if you consider size at the outset and actually if you kind of think about who your market is. So if, if we were to say, you know, actually, the, a large proportion of the population is kind of well covered ish by a lot of brands. Yeah. Are there any? So this is my marketing brain working now. Where no, are the gaps this is in the market? Asking you because I know you're a marketer, so I thought I might get an interesting <clears throat> I am. answer. It's like where is the gap in the market here? And the gap in the market is for those people that don't fit into standard sizing, and to say, can I help those people access? the countryside or the outdoors safely and in comfort. And so that's probably how I'd approach it. Now, interestingly, before I went on the West Highland Way, I so I bought this rain jacket from Decathlon because I needed a really good raincoat because it rains in Scotland. Yeah, that's it does, yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't really like waterproof trousers. I find them really sweaty. And also I have to buy a men's pair, men's version because I can't get the ladies ones to fit me. Um, and they're not particularly comfortable anyway. They're like really baggy on me. So I made myself a rain skirt. I saw that. Um, Mm. Yeah. (laughs) I Instagrammed the making process. It was like my poor old dusty sewing machine hadn't been out for a few years. (laughs) Um, And and basically like... Yeah, no, it did. It was it was amazing. I, I right. have I've tried to use it several times since, but it doesn't rain when I take it out. Okay. Um, but yeah, and and I basically kind of took a pattern off um, this horrible crinkly sil nylon monstrosity that I bought from China, hmm. which didn't fit me because it was although it was the larger size, hmm. it was not designed for European bodies. Okay. Um, and so it didn't fit me, and I had to like improvise with tying an extra shoelace onto so the elastic. This was already so. a skirt you bought from China. It was, um, no, I used it to make a pattern. Oh, I so see, I used you. the skirt that yeah. I bought from China, which didn't fit. I yeah. did wear it a couple of times. Got you. Um, and I made a pattern. Oh, I and you... used it to oh, make I see. a pattern. So you kind of shrunk that skirt. pattern down and then you used a different material. No, I enlarged the pattern. Oh, sorry. Okay. So you enlarged <laughs> the pattern. That's the key. Yeah. Okay. And so you used a different material then to create the yes. skirt yourself. And what material yeah. do you make it out of in case somebody sort of um, thinks this is a good idea? It's, it was like a coated, um, oh, I can't remember the name of it now, but basically it wasn't a, it wasn't cell nylon or anything like that, anything like kind of the usual kind of poncho material because it's really crinkly and horrible yeah. and noisy. And it's also so this not was waterproof, like, um, the cell nylon stuff, because it's just a nylon coated. Yeah. Um, it's it's coated nylon essentially. So it's, yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't anyway, I didn't use that. So it was basically it's like material that they make um, coats out of. Um, So it's kind of plastic coated, well, coated on the inside and it's like a fabric outer. um, uh, And and it was really soft. So it actually feels like material. Um, I think it probably does need a lining to make it more a bit more robust, but I was short on time. So um, the good thing was it was still really relatively lightweight it wasn't as lightweight as the crinkly nonsense but um it wasn't like heavy like a coat or like a pair of trousers um and it, it was a wrap around skirt basically um and uh, adjustable so depending on whether i lose weight or gain weight it should still fit me for a few years <laughs> it comes i mean it's a really good idea that you've 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 had this um you know resourcefulness to create something but that must have been a bittersweet creation anyway that you kind of you couldn't find anything that allowed you to have you know dry legs for the west high way so you know luckily you were able to sew something but you must have been thinking in the back of your mind while making this that i just wish i was able to buy something that well yeah, yeah absolutely 
um it was really irritating um and that's why i made the skirt but you know um you know and, and actually i would love to make the skirt like for more people but um it's just one of those things where i haven't got time but maybe i will um at some point but um did you have yeah, a lot of and, after that because you did post a photo a couple of photos with it did you have people messaging you saying can i get this or you know a couple of people asked me for the pattern um or like kind of advice on how i did it and stuff um and some of my like walking group friends are, are kind of interested um but i haven't actually worn it that much recently because for whatever reason it just ha- hasn't rained that much no it um, hasn't well on walks. apart from today I mean, it yeah. has but not yeah. when i've been walking okay <laughs> yeah well it, maybe maybe it's a good luck skirt if you take it out you just don't get rained on anyway so exactly could, could be a exactly. thing yeah <laughs> but it did it did it did rain in the west on the west of way and i did wear it and it was amazing even on the windy bits and it wasn't even that flappy so um yeah but yeah, no, I mean, it's it's ridiculous, isn't it? That you have to get to this situation where to kind of get the gear that you want, you have to sew it You have it to go yourself. a bit ghetto and make your own stuff, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it is a shame that you had to do that, but it is uh, it is a really good idea that you can that you had there. I mean, skirt, the I think hiking skirts are a very Scandinavian idea anyway. Yeah. Um, in Scandinavia, I know that sort of you can get hiking um, insulated skirts, for instance. So I think it's quite popular yeah and actually in the like the shooting community in the uk Mm. is kind of a thing as well but obviously they're quite heavy tweed numbers yes um it's not ideal for hiking no yeah so there wasn't anything other than these kind of crinkly flappy things from china which uh just yeah you don't want to wear that or heavy tweed which is yeah not not the best when you're trying to keep (laughs) it would have looked good in scotland though it would have looked the part for sure (laughs) yeah it really would have done i mean um culturally it would have fit into the landscape really well um that's really interesting thanks thanks for sharing that so um, i'm going to move on to the ramblers association Mm. um now ramblers i probably need no introduction but in case they do could you tell us a little bit about the ramblers association yeah so the ramblers question first is it the ramblers association or just the ramblers now as well well so the official the the official organization registered name is the ramblers organization but we're just known as the ramblers now yeah and have been for a few years but don't worry plenty of our members still call us the ramblers association so don't worry um but we are we're the nation's um walking charity um we aim to protect um the ability of people to enjoy um the freedom benefits that come from being outdoors on foot Mm. i.e walking okay um and we are people and organizations that come together um we are both campaigners and lobbyists and um path maintainers and uh, and walkers of all different types as well um and and at all types of ages um <clears throat> but basically we're here to protect our um our access uh, on foot to maintain our amazing um, public rights of way network um, and inspire and support people to go walking however they want to be that alone with friends family in a group in a rambler's group not in a rambler's group however really um, so yeah that's kind of in a nutshell what we do brilliant that's uh there's an amazing pitch for the ramblers um couldn't have said it better myself so <clears throat> i i'm somebody who's very aware of the Ramblers Association and you know it's it's, it's uh, somebody who's sort of I've been interested in the outdoors for a long time and it's always been a name that I've known now the Ramblers for me has in turn been associated with the idea of large groups of retired folks and this is not a negative slight at all but this is just how it's perceived by myself as somebody who's younger um, large groups of, of you know uh, of, of, of Ramblers in the hill now I think the Ramblers are aware of that 
image that is conjured up in a lot of younger members' heads. And it's become very obvious that in the last couple of years in particular, they've really tried hard to reach to a younger audience and now have some under 30 groups, if I'm correct. Do correct me if I'm wrong. Or they have some younger groups. Is, is, that, is that actually something that's happening for anybody who's younger and might be wanting to join the Ramblers? Yeah, so... Um... Well, just just to say um, that there are younger age group um, groups, if you like, walking groups, um, but they've been going for 20 years. Um, okay. It's not new. Yeah. Um, uh, some of the uh, some of the, the kind of uh, first ones to be formed are, are now 20 years old. So um, <clears throat> but they are. Um, yeah, focused on people who are, they all vary slightly, but people in the 20s, 30s, 40s, something like that, working age groups, people who can only walk at the weekends. Um, and it's interesting that perception that you have and, hmm. and obviously as an organization we're hugely aware of that because our our membership demographic is majority of people over 50 in fact probably majority over 60 but there is a thriving community of younger members and um uh, yeah it's it's one of those things where um it it can put people off and in fact it did put me off joining for a while. I was looking for a walking group after I'd done my first moonwalks. <clears throat> I thought, great way for me to be better at doing these charity walks is if I just keep walking. So I wanted to find a walking group near me. Really struggled to find one. Didn't initially want to join the Ramblers because I thought, as you said, it's just a kind of walking groups of older people. And there's nothing wrong with that. And no, I, I walk with, with a lot of older people as well. Yeah. But at the time in my life, I was also kind of... Um, I'd moved to a new area. I wanted to make some new friends. And so I wanted to meet some people who were kind of within my peer group. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> in the end, I couldn't find anything. And so I resigned myself, if you like, to the Ramblers. But then when I looked on the website, I actually found that there was a young group near me. Uh, and I was like, oh. So I went along to my first walk. And the rest is history. Because <laughs> um, so, it was such good fun. And so at, at the when you joined this first walk with the younger group, um, what kind of was the the atmosphere there and what was the age and also kind of what what do they what do you do on a walk with the ramblers does somebody lead the walk or do you mm. get to choose where you go how, how does it work when you first join the ramblers yeah walk? so um so yeah they're led walks mm -hmm. um and that sounds very officious like someone's got a little flag that they wave and you all follow <laughs> yeah. by in single file but it's really not like that okay but somebody has um planned the route in advance they've mm -hmm checked it normally in advance so they've and they're there walked to... it before yeah they've done a recce it. beforehand okay. um and um and now they'll have probably done a, a quick kind of risk assessment as well um and and that means that you kind of you know what you're you know what to expect you know that it's going to be a nice walk that you're hopefully not going to get lost although there's always that possibility um, and that you're all going to hopefully have a, a nice time. And it's really just, you know, as you would with any group of, of people when you go out for what you're just chatting with different people. Um, you are just enjoying being out. And there are groups that walk in cities and towns as well as in the countryside. I tend to walk with groups in the countryside. Um, and yeah, the atmosphere on my first walk was brilliant. There was um, I can't remember how many people there were, but it was a reasonable number. I wouldn't say maybe like. 15 people okay. maybe yeah um i didn't know any of them mm. um i had probably social media stalked a few of them beforehand so i knew what they looked like i think um, i'd be doing the same thing <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um and i just got chatting to some people um on the walk and i happened it was i think it was just fortuitous that the the lady at the time who 
was kind of the main organizer of, of that particular group happened to be on that walk um and so yeah i just kind of got chatting to her and they're all just really lovely normal people mm. variety of different backgrounds variety of ages um you know all within kind of it was a 20s and 30s and a little bit more um age group so um the group that i joined is called stag walkers so we're based in hertfordshire and bits of bedfordshire and bits of cambridgeshire so that's kind of my local one um so you get people um you know who are from really kind of like high flying jobs people who are in other kinds of jobs uh, different ages we have people who have different kind of um uh, perspectives on the world as well so we have um some people who are neurodiverse so you know it's and and we have people from different communities as well you know we're, we're quite close to sort of some other diverse uh, towns and cities and stuff so it's it's really nice um and everyone's always just really friendly but that's the beauty um, of hiking, isn't it, though? That it is. It's the yeah. thing that brings people together. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, you know, what you believe in. Um, it, it, it just there's that common theme of being out in the countryside and walking that just joins everybody together. And It does. And I think walking next to somebody yes. is um, it's a, it's a real leveler. It just mm. enables you to just talk. And I yes. find, um, you know, you kind of uh, just talk more than perhaps you were maybe expecting to when you're walking alongside yeah. somebody it's and, wonderful and it, and it creates an opportunity to have perhaps discussions with somebody who might have a different viewpoint to you in a way that's nice yeah rather than Absolutely. challenging hmm. yeah I've always um, found that. you know so many kind of interesting people i've met on a walk um and all sorts of different walks you know rambler's walks and 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 other kind of challenge walks but it, it you just you're i think because you're sharing that experience together um it breaks down barriers. Yeah, you already really got you, you have the common kind of ground. I think would be the expression, and um, <laughs> yeah. and therefore makes the, the uh, any other conversations that may come up a little bit easier because you are already, um, you know, associated with each other through this this common thing, which is hiking. That's, yeah, that's absolutely. amazing. And so this the group you uh, started with is the group you're currently walking with now as well. So you continue to walk with that group. Yeah. So yeah. I I've, I continue to walk with them. Mm. Um, and the lady that I met on the first walk. Um, she was the main organizer and she was basically looking for someone to take over from her. Okay. Um, so this leads on to your is. volunteering experience now. Yeah. Yes. So, so as I said, one of these, so. yeah, well, well, yeah. Well, do, well, do you want to get to that bit later then? Uh, no, you can do it. Go for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it seems like a perfect lead on. So carry on by all means. Well, it's because it's a bit of a process, you see. So, yeah. so um, yeah, she was looking for somebody to uh, take over from her because she'd done it for several years and you know there wasn't a very big kind of committee of volunteers and and she said if she didn't get someone to take over the group she was gonna have to close it down because you know she just couldn't keep doing it and i was like oh my god it's taken me so long to find a group yeah, you can't close, that you can't close it down <laughs> yeah. because i've you know i've just joined um <clears throat> so i said to her well look I know nothing about the Ramblers. I know nothing about walking, really. And I've only just joined. But if, if I need, if you need any help, you know, I'm a marketer. Mm. I can apply my skills yeah. and I'll help. So, of course, she bit my arm off. Um, and I became the, the, the runner of the group within about three months of joining. Oh, wow. Okay. In at the deep end. <laughs> yeah, as I said, I'm not very good at saying no. So, <laughs> um, so I did that. And then kind of three being the what was called the main organizer of the group it, we're now a slightly different group structure so I'm now the chair but um through that I got involved in like the area so it's basically like Hertfordshire and North Middlesex so 
Ramblers has areas that are mainly county driven that look after each county's worth of groups. Okay, I think and, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's kind of like a regional division, really. Um, but I got involved in that, which was really interesting. And that that opened my eyes to all the other work that Ramblers did. Because at that point, I just joined a walking group and sure. I was only interested yeah. in walking. Hmm. But listening to what all the other people were doing across the area and, what, and listening to people who were in footpaths. Well, <clears throat> so um, although in my area, in, in Hertfordshire, we don't do path maintenance because the county, uh, the local council, the local authority rather, has its own kind of team of volunteers that do that. What we do is is to monitor and check the path network okay. really, really regularly. And also we kind of, that, that statutory body that are um, consulted on um, kind of planning applications and things that would involve changes to the rights of way network. So I kind of came across then volunteers who are involved in this kind of lobbying and campaigning and protecting work hmm. that I had no idea that we did. Okay. And what, so that and, was really inspiring. And in terms of protecting what um, and man, maintaining, are we talking about maintenance of to make sure that farmers, for instance, haven't closed off a right of way? Yeah, or... absolutely. Everything from from that, hmm. from, from basically um, reporting blocked paths. So be that because a tree's fallen down or because a landowner has illegally blocked a path or it might be that um, a path's really overgrown. Obviously, it happens quite a lot in the summer, particularly with local authorities' budgets being cut. They don't cut the paths so often. Um, and also um, kind of trying to um, uh, get new paths reinstated or new paths um, made or um, diverted paths. So there might be an application to divert a path and we'd be consulted on whether the diversion is appropriate um, because we still want it to be a really nice path for people to walk sure um so we kind of get our, our local volunteers get consulted on that um so we're kind of trying to keep the path network as good as it can possibly be and try and improve it wherever possible um and obviously there's the kind of the wider element um so campaigning for kind of big improvements like the um the coast path like the england coast path and the wales coast path our volunteers are involved at all of those little stages where they're kind of trying to work out what the path should be and which land they should cross and negotiating with land landowners, all that kind of stuff. Okay. That's, 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 that sounds really involved. I mean, I didn't, I knew that the, the Ramblers Association had a lot of um, invo involvement in that, but I didn't quite realize it was quite that sort of macro level. I thought it was just more kind of campaigning, I don't know, on a broad level to try and make sure that access remains open, but yeah. it really, it goes down to you know individual footpaths and volunteers actually walking footpaths and going you know and, and trying just to make sure that, that the landscape is accessible for everybody absolutely yeah, yeah. And, and of course that the campaigning and lobby, lobbying at a higher level at government level absolutely takes place and we've got like an amazing staff team um of like i don't know nearly 100 people and there's there's people who, who are policy specialists in there oh, wow. uh, and access specialists so they're doing that really high level campaigning work and policy work and it all filters down through mm. the organization to those volunteers who are doing that stuff on the ground as well that's super interesting so uh, if you join as a member your money is going towards essentially keeping our countryside open this yeah, is the charity that exactly. does that because there's not another yeah, yeah. you know there are other charities that that may kind of do a bit of that but this is the charity that really 
plays a huge part in in keeping keeping paths open keeping yeah keeping us walking i guess in, in yeah exactly with we're, we're the guardians of the footpath network like if you like i like that. that's amazing <laughs> okay and so um you obviously start um volunteered at a regional level um how did that then step up to being the chair of the ramblers so um so then um, someone who I knew who was actually the chair of a, a, um, a neighboring young group okay. was also a trustee of the Ramblers. <laughs> okay. So that's kind of basically a bit like a company director. Um, so it's the same um, responsibilities, but uh, within a charity, you're called a trustee. Um, and he'd been a, a trustee for, I think, a couple of years. And we were on a walk together. Uh, it was a joint walk with both of our groups. And he was just chatting to me because I was trying to kind of understand all this information and then over a couple of years he wore me down and <laughs> um persuaded me that it'd be really great if I stood as a trustee because you know I kind of brought a different perspective and and um yeah so uh, he wore me down and I eventually stood as a trustee so I joined our board of trustees which is um kind of roughly 13 people 13 to 15 people okay. um <clears throat> drawn from um our kind of uh, membership um basically um plus um we can have up to two co-optees so, so the i joined these are a representation of the members within the ramblers association well yes and no okay as in yes we are because at the moment we are to be a a, a, um, a trustee you have to be a member um um but um you can be a co-optee and not be a member at the time but then you become a member but it's more than we're responsible for governing the charity and leading the charity so we have this kind of strategic overview which says what should we be doing as a charity to achieve our mission and to achieve our charitable objectives which is more than our membership obviously they're a big part of it but it's about saying how do we support the public how do we support people to to, to walk how do we protect and expand the places that we walk <clears throat> You know, where where should we be putting our efforts um, into ensuring, for example, that landowners have a duty to maintain the public rights of way on their land? Because that's really, really important. Um, so we kind of take that really high level view. Um, so that's um, absolutely fascinating. Um, and I did that for four years and then I stood as chair. Okay. So I've only been chair since April. Okay. So I'm new in the seat. Yeah. And was was um had you planned or you know was there a point where you thought actually I'd really like to be chair or was that again something that just happened or you worn down again to become become the chair and it's one of those opportunities you <laughs> couldn't say no to. There may have been a slight campaign by the um the now ex chair. Okay. Um but I yeah, I was vice chair for 6 months beforehand. Okay. Um which gave me a bit of a insight into kind of well, you know what to expect and what to do and I think it's one of these things where I'm I've become so attached and passionate to the Ramblers and I kind of out of my tenure I really want to make sure that this charity is still doing its brilliant work in three years but actually that we're better than that we're actually in a position that is fit for the future and I know that's okay. a real cliche and I don't no, like saying that but no. I feel like I joined the Ramblers kind of because I had to, but actually I want people to join us because they want to and because they want to support us and they see the great work that we're doing and we help people. And I think we need to be um, 
we need to be adapting how we how we operate as a charity to enable us to be still there and in kind of you know digitally orientated and attracting more younger people um you know and i don't mean just people in their 20s i mean people in their 40s as well sure. um you know and 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 that's kind of my mission really for for my tenure is to support support the board in in making the the kind of good strategic decisions that um that helps the ramblers still be here frankly when i'm still when i'm retired because um you know that's it's a good few years off um <laughs> and uh, yeah no i i still want to be walking you know when i'm in my 80s hopefully fingers crossed and is the does the board um is the board in with that vision as well do they do they all have that shared vision yeah yeah absolutely you know we we um we have a common goal and um you know the nice thing about the board is that we all come with different perspectives um and some of us are more into the kind of campaigning work some are into the past protection work some are into the walking some walk with groups some don't walk with groups um and somehow you know we all come with our very particular like work if you like work skills yeah you know so you're, you, <laughs> you bring the sort of marketing work skills to this yeah marketing yeah. and comms is okay. is my yeah. work background so amazing. yeah amazing so and it's a three-year position as well within the yes divorce. yeah just yeah. a three-year term for the chair yeah. um so so yeah it's wow. a good I, it's, it's a good i like to have an end point of course yeah <laughs> yeah of course yeah i mean but as, as far as volunteer roles go doing something like this you know how, how much um, time does it require you to put into it now um i mean quite a bit of time i've got um kind of you know you get odd meetings during the week um and uh, we have several board meetings a year which are often in the afternoon late afternoon so that's not too bad um and of course most of it's been on zoom for the past 18 Makes months it easier, yes um which is fine yeah. um but quite hard to do like a three-hour board meeting on zoom so we stopped we'd kind of made them shorter yeah. okay um but we're just getting back to going um face to face so we kind of our, our head office is in London um and so we will be going back into London um to have our meetings but yeah so it does take up quite a bit of time but you know the good thing is that fortunately I work for myself yeah so you can I can kind of it around fit your, it around your, your, your self-employment yeah, self yeah. <laughs> amazing that's really interesting so um final question I guess um is in relation to the ramblers so say if there is somebody listening to this who um, might it might be new to hiking I mean, i'm talking hiking rather than long distance hiking here mm. um, or maybe experienced it and wants to you know wants to join or has looked at the ramblers what would you say is it is it worth them joining the ramblers how, how would they get started what would be the best thing to do well obviously i'm going to say yes they should join the ramblers yeah well um, what i'm going to say is that they should support the ramblers actually okay. yeah um because um there are other ways to get involved and and to support the really important work we do you know you can just make a donation you could get involved in a campaign you could write to your local mp um or you could join a walking group um so you know there's there's um we have 500 groups across great britain that's, that's a mad. lot that's it, loads. It is a lot yeah that surprised me I, I, yeah that's loads so 500 yeah. groups i mean how many counties have we got that's a good few groups per county yeah well i think yeah. we have about 50 areas yes i think oh, i hope that's right okay. and um and about 500 groups and oh, obviously they're slightly kind of differently spread yeah. so in scotland there's there's fewer because mm. 
the, the areas are a bit larger and they tend to travel greater distances for their walks. Whereas in more kind of populous areas of, say, England, um, you might have a, a larger concentration in a smaller area, but they'll all over, overlap. And there are geographic ones that are just like based in a particular area or based in a particular town and they walk from there. And you get ones that are kind of a bit like my one, which is age specific. Um, or you might get um, some other groups that are like activity specific. So you might get kind of like, um, I don't know, like a mum's walking one or a prams one or something. And um, you might get kind of daytime ones like the Tuesday walkers or something because hmm. they only walk on a Tuesday. Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's lots, there's, there's pretty much something for everyone if you want to walk in a group. Um, but equally, if you don't want to walk in a group, I think it's really fantastic if people support the work because it's a well, the work we do benefits everyone who walks. It doesn't matter how you walk. Great answer. Great answer. So <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Um, it has been a pleasure talking to you. Now, um, just before we go, where can people find out more about you and follow you and do all those kinds of things? Oh, my things? God. Because you I can remember all my social you, channels I, now. I, I'll add them on afterwards. Um, I can do it for you if you want, actually, guys. I've got your um, page. So you're on Instagram at My Outdoor Adventures. Yes. I'm correct. I'm looking at the right one. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. Sorry, that is the right one. Sorry. Um, and you've got a website called hikethelongway.com. I have. Yes. Nothing much has happened on that one, to be honest, though, for right. a while. Again, it's <laughs> yeah. one of those parked yeah. projects. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> websites are really hard to keep up with, to be honest. They do require a bit of investment. So, uh, yes, yeah, so my outdoor adventures on Instagram and hike, hike the long way. So, um, Rebecca, it's been lovely to have you on today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you, Matthew. And, and thank you for letting me ramble on at you. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> Got to get a pun in. Great, great exit. Fantastic. And on that, we'll finish. So thank you so much for joining. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Matthew. All right, cheers. Take thank care. you. Bye. 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 So what did you think to that episode? I really hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for joining me on the show. Since recording, Rebecca has gone on to walk the Dartmoor Way, a relatively new long distance trail. And if you follow Rebecca on Instagram, you can see some of her photos and commentary. Also, a final plug is Rebecca's new outdoor store. Yep, since uh, recording, Rebecca and her husband have opened up an outdoor shop called, uh, sorry, Rebecca and her husband have opened up a new outdoor shop called Vampire Outdoors. Um, so I think if you've just gone Instagram and search Vampire Outdoors, it will come up. Um, so yeah, go check it out. Anyway, so that closes uh, the podcast for now. The next episode will be coming in a couple of weeks time before Christmas. Uh, thank you so much again for listening. Um, I'll be bringing back more episodes in 2022 uh, quite, quite early on when I've got more time and I can start getting really into this again and recording. But for now, thanks so much for bearing with me. Have a great day. Thanks. Bye.